okay? <laughs> hey, we, we, hey, we got no rules against clapping, amen, shouting out. Bring it, Steve. That's all welcomed here, all right? All right. Thank you. Hey, hey, I want to start off this morning with two incredibly powerful passages of Scripture that were breathed by God 2,000 years ago. That's crazy, right? I mean, think about it. Uh, the words that I'm about to read <laughs> were breathed by the creator and sustainer of everything that we see. Yeah, I would say that these are more than just words. So lean in as the Lord of heaven and earth speaks. John chapter 10, verse 10. I've come so that they can have real and eternal life. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. Uh, question, do you, do you think that's even possible? I, I mean, who here would like to experience that more and better life? A, a life that is more and better than we've ever dared to dream of. Count me in, all right? I'm just telling you, count me in. And the next passage is from the breath of God through the pen of Paul to the church in Ephesus and to us in this room. Now, glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us, again, that's crazy, serious power. Now, glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. Amen. Brothers and sisters, God wants us, he wants you, he wants Maple Grove to dream big dreams. Why? Because he's big. You think? Why? Because he is able. Why? Because his mighty power is working within us. Would you pray with me? Father God, we humbly come into your presence. God, we recognize that there's no one like you. God, we know that, that you sit enthroned above the circle of the earth, God. We know that you stretched out the heavens as easy as we would stretch out a curtain in our home. And God, we know that you are before all things, over all things, and that you hold all things together on this huge rock hurling around the sun right now. God, we cannot even imagine your greatness and your power. God, you are great and you are good. You're merciful, you're kind. And God, you created us with intention, with purpose. You created us to have, a, <clears throat> to have a, a life that is real and that is better than we could ever even dream of. And Father, I just pray that we hear your voice today. God, I, I pray that we feel your presence, Holy Spirit, just flow. Help us to realize that you are more real than this room that you're more real than the chairs that we're sitting on, the platform I'm standing on, that you were, you are, and you always will be, and your love for us is unfailing. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this past Wednesday night, two teens put on uniforms and cleats, they grabbed their gloves and their gear and stepped onto a ball field in Cleveland, Ohio. Before tens of thousands at Progressive Field and tens of millions around the world to face off in Game 7 of the 2016 World Series. And what an incredible game it was, right? 
I mean, it looks like these, these guys are having fun, right? I mean, they, they seem a little excited. What a game. And, and listen, when each team walked onto that field Wednesday night, every one of their 40 players, all their coaches and all their fans, from the youngest to the oldest, had the very same dream, to win the World Series. And, and for Chicago, right, for the Cubs, it was to break that 108-year curse. And I got to tell you, I know that that was a dream of a, a lady named Loretta Dolan, 101 years old. Here's a picture of her, right? They interviewed her, you know, and, and she says, and she says, that was something, wasn't it, right? That was something, wasn't it? And, and understand, this dream was born long before these players began spring training back in February. In fact, the dream was born the first time that these guys put on a uniform and a ball cap and walked out onto a field when they were probably seven or eight years old. And believe me when I tell you that that initial dream played a major part in them being where they were four days ago, game seven of the World Series. Okay, listen up. Because this could change both your life and the world. Never underestimate the power of a dream. Never underestimate the power of a dream. Okay, my line is never underestimate. Yours is the power of the dream. We do it well three times. We're allowed to move on, okay? If you're visiting, this is how we do it, all right? This is how we do, all right? Never underestimate. The power of the dream. Never underestimate. The power of the dream. Never underestimate. The power of the dream. Amen. For instance, in 1774, a a leader named John Adams boldly declared his dream of a new nation, a union of 13 states independent from Parliament and the King of England, a, a nation where all men would be considered equal and would be given the opportunity to pursue certain unalienable rights, among them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And against great odds, his words became true, and within two years of his dream proclamation, the United States of America was born. In 1789, William Wilberforce stood before the British Parliament and boldly proclaimed his dream for the day when men and women and children would no longer be bought and sold like farm animals. Each year for the next 18 years, his bill was defeated. But he continued his tireless campaign against slavery. Finally, in 1833, four days before his death, Parliament passed a bill completely abolishing slavery, and his dream became a reality. Question, what if he would have quit on 17? In the late 1800s, two brothers, Wilbur and Oval Wright, announced their dream that the age of the flying machine had arrived, and 10 years of disappointments followed. However, on December 17, 1903, the Wright brothers made history when their small biplane lifted off the sandy beach in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, and the age of air travel was born. Early 20th century, a dynamic industrialist named Henry Ford, he stood in front of his ragtag employees and shared his dream of making automobile transportation affordable for the average American. The nation laughed out loud. But barely 15 years later, millions of Ford Model Ts have been bought and sold at a cost of around $290. <laughs> in South America, in the 1960s, Nelson Mandela, he dreamed of the day when the apartheid that had oppressed the black people of his nation for so long would end. Mandela was arrested as he stood before his captors. They said, hey, you, 
you better stop this or else things could get pretty ugly and you may even die. And Mandela said, end in apartheid is a cause for which I will gladly invest every day for the rest of my life and a purpose for which I am fully prepared to die. What a dream, what passion, what courage. And in 1994, after 30 years in prison, not only did apartheid end, but Nelson Mandela became the president of South America. Such is the power of a dream. And who, for, and who can forget 1963? Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. standing on the steps of Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. and painting a, a picture of a world without prejudice, hatred, or racism. And he said, I have a dream that my four children will one day live in a nation where they'll not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And though Dr. King was cruelly assassinated, his dream lives on. Brothers and sisters, never underestimate the power of a dream, especially when his mighty power is working within that dream. Get it? Good. And now this morning, 11616, we're going to be talking about a dream. And then not a dream of, of World Series titles, Model Ts, or airplanes, but a dream about the church about this church, a dream about me, about you, about us becoming the people and the church that God has always had in mind, a dream that is so bold, so creative, so courageous, so dynamic that we can no longer resist, but instead, with one unified voice, we boldly and excitedly proclaim, we are in. And again, a dream that is more than possible because his mighty power is at work within us. Amen? Amen. And now we have anticipated to stay for a long time. I mean, we've been talking about it since 9-11. When I laid out the four goals of this series, church, we are dot, dot, dot. I love dot, dots. All right. Church, we are. Here's the goals I laid out there. Goal number one, to help us understand how awesome the church is. Hey, anybody out there think the church is awesome? Man, I think the church is amazing, right? It's more awesome than I even knew. Number two, to move us to take the church more excitedly, uh, to stir us up with great joy that we get to be a part of it. Are you kidding me? Someone as messed up as you, right, as messed up as me, get to be a part of something as incredible as the church? The third goal was to move us to take the church much more seriously so that we treat her like the bride belonging to Christ and like the priceless treasure that she is. And fourth, to cause us to do an honest, deep, heartfelt gut check that moves us on November the 6th to commit or recommit to Christ and to his church. Well, November 6th has arrived. And every person in this room well, the opportunity to make an I am in decision. Uh, for some, that decision will be surrendering to Christ for the first time in baptism, following Jesus' example and obeying his command. He that believes and is baptized will be saved and becoming his disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Four people are doing that that I know of so far. 
and who knows who else might choose to do the same. And now for most of us in this room, it, it will be a decision to re-up, to, to recommit, to recommit to the, the dream that, number one, that God has for you as someone created in his image, his sons and his daughters. And number two, to recommit to the dream that God has for you to help you be a part of a church that's bringing him glory. A dream that is infinitely beyond anything you could pray about, think about, hope about, or even desire. And for others who've never officially come forward and said, hey, I want to join Maple Grove, or are they taking um, our membership class, belong class, this is your opportunity today, right? Like I said, this series we've been on is my membership class on a massive dose of steroids, right? To say, hey, you know, I'm in. I'm recommitting my life to Christ and the dream he has for me, and I'm recommitting to be a part of his church. And again, for eight weeks, we've been unpacking the church and all her beauty as described in Scripture. And it's been an amazing, beautiful, inspiring, challenging, convicting, and sometimes in-your-face journey. Amen? Amen? Yeah. All right. Okay. Do I need to repeat myself? You know, I need love up here, right? Just show me love. You're alive. You had extra sleep. We came in here a little bit later. No, no excuses today not to be pumped up. All right. I understand, brothers and sisters, we are the church. And never forget that the church is Christ. It belongs to him. That the church, it's not a building, it's us. That the church is the bride of Christ. Never forget that the church is the most valuable thing on the face of this planet. Never forget that the church is so much more than a Sunday morning huddle. Never forget that the church is the body of Christ, the second incarnation in this world. Never forget that the church is the family of God, that it's the temple of God, that it's the flock of God. Never forget that the church is the promised messianic kingdom, the called out of God, and never, never forget that the church is the hope of the world. Maple Grove, we are the church, and we are justice bearers. Uh, understand, we are, we are to finish the work of justice that Jesus both announced and began in Luke chapter 4. The work of bringing good news to the poor, of proclaiming that captives will be released, of opening the eyes of the blind and setting the oppressed free. We are the church, we are justice bearers, and we are followers, not fans. And remember that fans can take off their Jesus jersey, right? Whenever they want. Whenever following Jesus is uncomfortable. Whenever following Jesus means you can't do what you want to do, or you got to do something that you don't want to do, you just, you just pull off that Jesus jersey. Fans can do that. Followers can't. Carl Eidelman, in his book, Not a Fan, writes this. It's in your notes. Following Jesus isn't something you can do at night where no one notices. It's a 24-hour-day commitment that will interfere with your life. That's not the small print. That's a guarantee. Question. Is Jesus interfering with your life? Is he? If not, that's your calls pause. Amen? We are the church. We are justice bearers. We are followers, not fans. And we are devoted. Devoted to what? 
We're devoted to the apostles' teaching. We're devoted to reading and studying and living by this book. We're devoted to the fellowship, living in community, doing life together. We're devoted to the breaking of bread, communion, remembering a sacrifice. And we're devoted to prayer, crying out to God because he's bigger than we are and he wants to help us in our lives. We're the church. We are justice bearers. We are followers, not fans. We are servants. Brothers and sisters, if Jesus, God in the flesh, came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, so must we. Understand, we all, in my notes it's all in caps with little quotes beside it so you know it's a big deal. We all have gifts, talents, and abilities and passions given to us by God that we all must deploy in order to make the grove more effective in our mission of reflecting the Christ and reaching the lost. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so the whole body is what? Healthy and growing and full of love. Paper Grove, we are also one. Listen, unity Unity is and was the heart and the prayer of Jesus Christ. And it is the power of the church. Check out this quote. Unity and oneness is the key to both a great and growing church because God wants to bring lost people into an environment where people do what? Reflect him rightly. God doesn't want to bring people into church where people are just not reflecting him or mean, nasty, look like they never even saw Jesus, right? He don't want to bring that environment. And by the way, he doesn't want us to live in that environment either or save people, right? He wants to live us in a healthy environment. We love each other. Amen? Amen. We are the church. We are justice bearers. Followers, not fans. We're servants. We're one. And we are pursuing a life lived on mission. Which begins with belong, belonging to Christ and his church, and deepens with growth, expresses itself in serving the body, and a life that unleashes the power and favor of God as we engage this lost and broken world with both the compassion of Christ and the gospel of Christ. Brothers and sisters, that's who we are. Amen? 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 Amen. I had a three times, no reflection of you. You did well even the first time, but I had three amens in my notes, so I'm going to follow it. Guys, I, I sincerely believe that God, during the last eight weeks, has been doing a new thing. I mean, as the prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 43, forget the formal things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And I got to be honest, man, I, 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 I've, been, I've been having some serious perceiving in the last eight weeks of God, of God doing a new thing. Yes, God is moving in this church and the dream for us to be the people that we were meant to be individually and the dream for us to be the church that God always had in mind. The dream is alive. Now, there's four things I I want to unpack today as we attack this life and world-changing truth. We are in. And the truths are the call, so in, the cause, the gospel, the commitment, I'm in, the cost, it's worth it. I understand, 
throughout the pages of Scripture, we see God time and time again laying out an awesome dream before his people and then asking them, so, you in? In Genesis 6, God lays out the dream of a massive boat that will save Noah's family from a flood and keep the human race going. And God looks at Noah and says, so, you in? In Genesis chapter 12, God lays out the dream of forming a new nation, a nation that would live in in a new and better land and would serve the one true God. A nation that would become great in number like the sands on the shore and the stars in the sky. A nation through whom which God would bless every other nation on the planet. And God looks at a 75-year-old guy living in a very upper-class neighborhood in Ur of the Chaldeans, and he says, so, Abraham, you in? In Exodus 3, God appears in the form of a burning bush before an 80-year-old exile who had taken off his sandals. And God lays out the dream of his people finally, after 400 years of captivity, being set free from the cruel bonds of slavery. And God looks at Moses and he says, so, you in? In Joshua chapter 1, God lays out the dream of his people crossing the Jordan River and conquering the promised land so that God's people can live in the land he always intended, a land flowing with milk and honey. And God says to this seasoned warrior, this new leader of God's people, a guy named Joshua who was, to be honest, very afraid and intimidated by the task that lay before him. And God says, don't be discouraged. Don't be terrified. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Go after this dream, for I'm going to be with you wherever you go. So, you in? In 1 Samuel chapter 12, God lays out the dream of a shepherd boy named David who was standing among the army of Israel who were cowering fear. And God says, hey, David, are you getting a little tired of this 10-foot giant coming out every morning and night for 40 days, taunting this army and defying my name? Well, David, I'm about to take him out. And David, I'm about to defeat the entire Philistine army. And then God winks at this slingshot-wielding dude, and says, so, you in? And Esther 4, God's people are in exile in Persia. And an evil man named Haman has manipulated the king to execute every one of God's people, young and old, on a single day. I mean, complete and total genocide. And God lays out a dream to Queen Esther of turning Haman's vicious plot into an unforgettable victory for his people. And God looks at Esther, and he says, so, you in? In Nehemiah chapter 1, God appears to a man named Nehemiah, who holds a very high cabinet position in the Persian Empire. And and he lays out a dream of, of the walls of Jerusalem, which had laid in ruins for 150 years. God lays out a dream of those walls being rebuilt to protect that city, to bring that city's dignity back, and to do it in 52 days. And God looks at Nehemiah and says, so, you in? And in Mark chapter 1, Jesus walks up to two brothers, Andrew and Peter, who are casting their net into the Sea of Galilee. And, and Jesus lays out a dream but where these guys would join him in changing the lives and forevers of lost men. And then Jesus looks him in the eye, and he says, so, you in? In Acts chapter 9, a, a, a proud Pharisee is on his knees 
on the road from Jerusalem to Damascus. He's unable to see because his eyes have been blinded by the glory of the Lord. And as he kneels there, Jesus lays out a dream of good news that is for all people. A, a dream of a kingdom where all the barriers and walls between Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free, are broken down forever. A, a, a dream of, of a kingdom that is unshakable. A, a dream of a people who are forgiven of all their sins and adopted into God's very own family. And Jesus puts his hand on Paul shoulder and says, so, you in? Brothers and sisters, like I said, God, time and time again, has made the same call from Genesis to this very day. And understand, I, I'm convinced that, that God is revealing his presence. His, his presence is always here, right? But we're not always aware of it. But I'm convinced that God is revealing his presence in this room right now, and he's looking each of us in the eye, and he is saying, hey, fill in the blank. Put your name in there. Hey, Steve, I'm going to build Maple Grove into a great and growing church, one that brings me much glory and impacts this world for generations to come and helps men and women be, live the lives that they were created to live all along. So, you in? The call is so, you in? The cause, as you might have guessed, is the gospel. Uh, understand, 2,000 years ago, the night sky of Bethlehem was lit up by a huge crowd of angels proclaiming, do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Turn to the person to your right and left and say, for all the people. And now turn to them and say, you a people. <laughs> You'd be one of them people, all right? I'm a people, you're a people, what do you want to be a people too, right? Oh, that's Dr. Pepper. Pretty good drink, by the way. Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all all the people. Today in the town of, Def, town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothing, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of angels appeared with the, a, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host. Hey, do you do corrections when I do that, Glenda? Yeah? Oh, cool. Awesome. <laughs> well, she said nice stuff, I hope, right? <laughs> Uh, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those in whom his favor rests. Okay, my, my line is glory to God in the highest. Yours is the next line. We're going to do it three times. And pretend you're an angel, right? Angels in the outfit. No, okay. All right, you ready? This is good stuff. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest heaven. Amen. Remember, go the cause we've been called to, uh, the dream that, that God has for us is the spreading of the good news of Jesus. 
that the good news of salvation, the good news that a Savior has been born to all people, the good news that the time of God's favor has come and is here and is for all people, the good news that God so loved the world, the good news that our sin debt has been paid, the good news that real freedom is here, the good news that bondages can and will be broken and that darkness will be defeated, the good news that you matter to God. You guys ready? I matter. To God. God. And that's all. all. That matters. matters. To me. me. One more time. I matter. matter. To God. God. And that's all. all. That matters. matters. To me. me. The good news is that God wants you despite all your your flaws, failures, and shortcomings. That God wants you as a member of his very own family. The good news that that our lives can be full. That our hope can be living. And that we can experience a peace that transcends all understanding. The good news that it's not what we do but what Jesus has already done that counts. The good news that guilt and shame are no more. The good news that our past is forgiving, that our future is secure, and that our present is filled with the mighty power of God. Yes, the the, the cause is the gospel. it's, It's bringing hope to the hopeless, help to the helpless, light to those in darkness, caring to the hurting, belonging to the lonely, wholeness to the broken. It's the good news of bringing joy to those who are in sorrow, freedom to those who are in bondage, purpose to those who are drifting, and life to those still dead in their sin. Yes, the cause is the gospel. And like Paul, I say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And the gospel makes us new, doesn't it? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old life is what? It's gone. See you later. Sayonara, right? And the new life has what? It's begun. And listen, some are about to become a new creation this very day as they surrender their lives to Christ. Paul says in Romans 6, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We're therefore buried with him through baptism into death. And remember that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Amen? The call, so, you in? The cause, the gospel, the commitment, I'm in. And and understand, to say I'm in is exactly that. It's a commitment. And listen, making a commitment is always connected with a willingness to pay the cost. Because being in, by definition, requires something from us. Noah's I'm in commitment meant going to the nearest lows right, and buying a bunch of tools and building material so he could begin his 120-year project of building the ark. Moses' amen commitment meant leaving the safety of the desert to face the uncertainty of making bold demands in the court of Pharaoh. Joshua's amen commitment meant despite his, his own fears and sense of inadequacy, it meant crossing the Jordan and leading an inferior army to take on a much formidable foe. 
David's I'm in commitment. When facing death in a 10-foot giant armed with only a sling and five stones. Esther's I'm in commitment. Meant walking down that hallway, going into the king's presence, knowing all the while that it could end in her very death. Nehemiah's I'm in commitment meant leaving his high position in the Persian Empire and taking on a task that no one was able to do in the last 150 years. Peter and Andrew's I'm in commitment meant leaving their nets and their business and all they knew behind in order to follow this rabbi who John the Baptist said is the Lamb of God. Saul, later to be Paul's, I'm in commitment, meant leaving behind his pride, his beliefs, and all the things he held so strongly to, and it meant facing incredible hardships and persecution, all in order to take the good news to the Gentiles. Yes, when we say I'm in, we are making a commitment. Get it? Good. Check out a few uh, commitment quotes I think are pretty good. Here's one. Commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in has left you. Yeah? Next. Commitment, Abraham Lincoln, is what transforms a promise into reality. Kenneth Blanchard. There's a difference between interest and commitment. When you're interested in doing something, you do it only when it's convenient. Anybody interested in Jesus? Interested in church? Interested in serving? When you're committed to something, you accept no excuses, only results. Vince Lombardi, I think, is the next one. Most people fail not because of lack of desire, but because of lack of commitment. Courage is a commitment to begin without any guarantee of success. Here's the last one. Commitment you can walk away from isn't really a commitment. Amen? It's a commitment with a back door, right? Okay, so it's time for us to answer the question that I'm convinced that God has for each of us in this room. So, you in? And again, for some, that means saying yes to the gospel and to Jesus' command to believe and be baptized. Baptism, Jesus did it. Baptism, Jesus asked us to do it. See, baptism is it's not meant to be a a theological issue that we debate. It's simply meant to be a promise and a command that we embrace in trusting who our God is. Amen? It's not an issue to debate. It's just something we do because he said to do it. Acts 2.38, repent to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's a stinking good gift. And just these words here for anyone besides those four that are making that decision, need to make it. That, that, that believe in who Jesus is and you want to live for him, but for some reason you've never been baptized. And now, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Why not? Why aren't you? Right? What are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Amen? Amen. Now for the rest, right? It, it means either you are re-upping or recommitting to God's dream for you as a Jesus follower and to his dream for this church, right? You've been here a while, but to say, you know what? I'm recommitting to God's dream for me as an individual because I'm not there yet because his dream for, is for me to be just like Jesus. 
And I'm recommitting to the dream to help this church be everything that God wants her to be. Whether you've been here for 10, 15, 20, or 60, or 70 years, right? Hey, I'm, I'm in this thing. And for others who've been hanging out here for a while, it's your opportunity to say, you know what? I'm, I'm recommitting my, my life to Christ, and, and I'm committing my life to this church. Help this church be everything that God wants her to be. So, you in? I understand, Maple Grove is a church that's driven by, by, by the vision of following Christ in life-changing community. Bottom line, we are all about following him, and we're all about life change. I mean, don't you love to see people's lives change for the better? I mean, someone that was bitter is now kind, right? Someone that holds grudges is now forgives. Someone who's addicted but is now set free. Someone who had no hope but now has hope. You know, someone who wasn't the husband that they were, they were created to be, and, and God has changed them, and they're a loving husband, and they're a great father through the power of Jesus. Don't you love seeing lives changed? And Maple Grove is a church driven by a mission. You know, like Jesus, we seek the lost, right? At Maple Grove, you know, we pray for one. Every day and throughout the day, Lord, show me one person that I can share your love with. And I'll tell you right now, one of the guys being baptized today is Bob Retricus's one. He became Bob's one in the foyer, and guess what? You know, it's been a long journey, but the day Bob has the privilege of someone he prayed for and worked for, he has the privilege of baptizing Brad into Christ Jesus, right? That's our job, right? That's it. And may that inspire us, Right? And we're driven by the mission to make disciples, people who look more and more like Jesus. And we're driven by the mission to show compassion to this world by being Jesus' hands and feet, right? We got a bunch of people doing it this week, right? As a bunch of homeless guys came here last night that people served them food, they talked to them, people will be doing it all week long, right? We get to be Jesus' hands and feet as we load up that car out there with food to feed people who don't have any food, Right? We're driven to be a church that's not just about what happens in here, but the difference that we make out there. Amen? Amen. And we're a church that operates by these five core values and non-negotiables. They're up here. You know, we honor biblical authority, period. I'm not the authority. You're not the authority. The Bible's the authority, right? It's our highest authority. We're not over it. We're under it. Number two, we depend on God. Our task is too big to do it by ourselves. And if we can do it by ourselves, then the task isn't worth doing. Amen? Number three, we do life together. Number four, we engage our culture in relevant ways, in ways that they can understand, right? Just because we understand it doesn't mean the world understands it, especially in America where 95 million people have no affiliation with the church whatsoever. Here's how I always like to show relevant ways. Hey, see if you like this verse right here, one of my favorites. You like that verse? Amen. Praise God. Through my whole blessings flow, right? Is that, is that moving you? Okay, here's what it says in English. That's Chinese. Ah. But see, what good is it to speak to our world and our culture, and they're like, I don't know what he's saying. I don't know what they're talking about. So how do we gauge our world in a way that they can understand it? And five, we practice excellence and faithful stewardship, doing our best for God and giving our best to God. Okay, here, here, now we're to this awesome part of the service which I hope is just some well-ordered chaos, all right? Uh, those who want to say I'm in 
And I know so far, right, we got Kyle, we got Jason, we got David, and we got Brad. You know, meet me up front in just a minute, and, and, uh, and we're going to go back and get ready to, to be baptized. And if anyone else wants to make that decision, you know, come up forward. If you're like, well, you know, I didn't bring any shirt, guess what? It's right there. Towels and shorts and everything. Or you know what? I think it'd be pretty cool to get baptized in your jeans, right? As you were, right? Say, you know, I've never done this, and I, I got no reason why I wouldn't. If Jesus asked me, why aren't you doing it? I'd say, uh, uh, well, I don't know. Okay? And, and, then, and then for those who have been in Maple Grove for a long time, this is your re-up day, your recommitment day, and you're recommitting to Christ and his dream for you and the dream for this church, uh, what you're going to do in just a minute, you, you're going to go to the back kiosk back there, and Steve Bailey and, and Jeff Angel will be back there and for you to go back there and re-up. And you're going to pick up a, a piece of wood. And, and on the back of this piece of wood, you'll be directed to, to write your name on it. And then once you wrote your name on it, that's like your commitment, right? And you're going to drop that piece of wood in this bucket right here, right? And it's going to be cool to hear all, that, all the things dropping in here as a sign of recommitment to the dream. that And God has a dream for you. He has a dream for you. Don't, don't settle for less, right? Don't settle for less than who you are. I mean, let's be willing to get messy relationally, emotionally, physically, socially, for the sake of this world, right? You know, and, and then for those who've been hanging out for a while, uh, over there, join the Grove here um, kiosk, um, two of our elders, uh, Todd and Mark Murray, will be over there. And you just go over there and say, hey, you know what? I want to be a part of Maple Grove. And there's a little something you sign over there. You also get a piece of wood to drop in this bucket. Amen. Okay, that was awesome. Amen. The call, I'm in. The cause, the gospel, the commitment, I'm in. The cost, it's worth it. Uh, just, a, just a quick testimony and some very encouraging words from Jesus about being it worth about it being worth it and then we'll be about done. Here's a testimony from a guy named Paul. Maybe you heard of him. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, he writes this. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Brothers and sisters, if Paul were here today, he would say to each of us, without any reservation whatsoever, it was worth it. Yet, yeah, the beatings, the shipwreck, the prison, the opposition, the hatred towards me, Paul would say, every bit of it was worth it. I understand, nobody will stand before Jesus in heaven, hear me, and say, you know what, Jesus? I, I wish I did less for you. I, I wish I gave less of my resources. I, I wish that I shared my faith less. I, I wish that I took less risk for you. I, I wish that I served the church less. I, I, I wish that I showed the world your love less. No way, that's not what we would say, right? We'd be like, no, I wish I did more. I wish I served you more, gave you more, shared my faith more, right? If that's how we're going to feel then, why don't we start doing it now, right? 
Let's start doing it now. So when we stand before him, we say, yes, it's worth it. It's worth it. And Jesus will like you know that one day, it's going to be so worth it. He says in Revelation 2 verse 7, to the one who's victorious, I'll give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. I want to eat from that tree. Revelation 2.17, everyone who's victorious shall eat of the hidden manna, the secret nourishment from heaven, and I will give to each a white stone, and on that stone will be engraved a new name that no one knows except the one receiving it. I can't wait to pig out on that manna. I, I can't wait to hold that stone that has my new name. Revelation 3, 5, the one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out their name from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. I can't wait to hear Jesus say, hey, Father, oh, that, that's Steve Malone. And Father, Steve Malone is with me. He's one of mine. Amen? Yeah. And then in Revelation 3.21, to the one, this is nuts. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. I want to sit on that throne. I want to sit on that throne with Jesus. Talk about a big dream. Talk about a big dream. And you know what? As Jesus, as Jesus prayed in the garden and then was arrested and hung on the cross, whole time he knew it was worth it, right? We read this in Hebrews chapter 12. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He says, yeah, it's hard, it's difficult, but you know what? All the beating and all the pain is worth it. My broken body and my shed blood, it's worth it. Why? So that all these good people in this room in, in Charlottesville, Virginia, we get to be in my family. You know, every week at Maple Grove, we partake of the Lord's Supper. And we get up and go to these various stations where we have a, a cracker and a cup. Um, you know, the, the, the crackers is double cup, the crackers in the bottom. And, and we also, that's where we take up our offering. And so um, we're going to sing a song uh, about the, at the cross. And, and after that, we'll go take communion right when the song's done. Just head on over there. And, and I came out and, and, and are showing off my legs, right, right, you know, right here, you know, and, and, and to say, hey, you know what, I, I got a laundry basket with shorts in them, you know, and if you're here today, right, and you've not yet surrendered to Christ, just like Kyle and Brad, Jason and David did, you know, it, there's still time, right, there's still time. So just come up here and talk to me. Let's talk about it and get it done. Would you guys stand? God, we love you. And Jesus, we thank you for the cross and what it means. And we thank you that it's at the cross where our hope and our life and our joy is found. In Jesus' name.